You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, good morning, Mission family. It's Pastor Jason here. I am so glad that you tuned in this morning. Thank you for joining us uh, online. Uh, We're so grateful to have you be a part of the Mission family. We're not just a church. We are a family. And today we're starting a new series called The Path of Glory. And besides being the most metal uh, series name ever, um, this series is going to take us all the way uh, through Easter. And actually, the idea behind this series is to link up with some of the scriptures that we've been reading in our grow groups uh, through the book of Mark and uh, continue on through Easter as we finish out Mark. And, and so I, I just think it's going to be a really great series because it'll, it will hit on some things that our grow groups are hitting on and there will be continuity. Um, and so I just invite you to join us weekly, make it a point uh, to be with us online or at the outdoor service. Uh, if you're not already involved in a grow group, we would love for you to join in on a grow group. But, um, you know, we're today we're going to pick up in Mark 9. Uh, my grow group actually hasn't gotten to Mark 9 yet, but uh, that's where we're headed today is Mark 9. So I invite you to turn there. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. and uh, we'll, But first, uh, let's just pray together. Let's pray over this time. Uh, Jesus, we invite you into this, this moment. We're completely fixated on you We set aside all distractions. We set aside our phone. We set aside our shopping list or whatever has grabbed our attention. uh, And we set it aside and we focus and hone in on you. We invite you into this time, Father. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Amen. So uh, chapter nine actually picks up with the transfiguration, which is an incredible display of God's power. Uh, If you're not familiar with the trans the transfiguration. Um, I'll read just a bit of it. Uh, That's not where we're staying today, but I'll read just a little bit of it. The transfiguration is, uh, is really important for you to know about for where we're actually going later today in the message. So uh, the transfiguration, this is a Chapter 9, verses 2 through 4 in the NLT. Uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Those are Jesus' three amigos. And um, so Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' Jesus's appearance was transformed And his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Skipping to verse 7. Then a cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, When they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone and they saw only Jesus with them. 
what and can, can you imagine being one of those three disciples? What an incredible display. I mean, I think the NLT actually says something in like verse five or six about Peter saying, Jesus, it's wonderful for us to be here during this moment. And like, I just think, I I think that's so funny, but also like, can you imagine, can you imagine the presence of God being so tangible, just being in the presence of, of Moses and Elijah and Jesus? It had to be just an incredible, incredible moment. God's power was clearly on display in that moment in the transfiguration. But when Jesus returns to the other nine disciples, this is where things are gonna get a little hairy because Satan is on display in a nearby town. Uh, the work of the enemy is afoot and, uh, and Jesus and his uh, three best buds are coming back from this powerful encounter with God's presence and they come back and they find that Satan, Satan's power is on display on the earth. And so, as, uh, so this is the scene that Jesus returns to in, in Mark 9, 14 through 27. Uh, I'm, again, I'm reading from the NLT, so picking up at 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed with an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever his spirit seizes him, this spirit seizes him, uh, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So I just want to pause right there. We're just going to pause right there. People love to see other people succeed. That's why almost every superhero movie or comic book or whatever is an underdog story. The hero starts out as an underdog because people love to see others succeed. But people love to see others succeed. And, and, and when you succeed, it may draw a crowd, right? Uh, you know, word of your success may spread. You know, uh, your success may draw a crowd, but there's still one thing a lot of people like more than watching someone succeed, and that is watching someone fail, is watching, is watching someone fail. I mean, seriously, think about it, right? Like, um, 
when the Bible ever discusses a crowd, most of the time it's because something amazing is happening or something has gone wrong. And that's why Jesus never spent too much time in crowds because crowds are fickle and they cannot be trusted, right? They will be drawn in by your success, but equally drawn in to watch you go down in flames. And they'll like love every minute of it, right? And and that's that's just kind of the nature of of crowds and and you can't gauge your success or failure on what draws a crowd, right? Uh, I mean the, 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 this whole principle of uh, of the crowd loving to see you succeed or, or just loving to watch you fail. Isn't that what like shows like The Bachelor are all about? Like, like this is, this is, this is the true nature of our society and our society has a big, big problem with cancel culture right now. Um, but I, I'm not going to get into that, but, but it is true. Uh, you cannot gauge your success or your failure on what draws a crowd. So Jesus and his three closest friends return from an amazing display of God's power, and this is what they walk into. This scene. Two, uh, uh, they walk into the other nine disciples. I imagine them shoulders slumped, right? Heads down, being hassled by the crowd for not being able to cast out a demon. The crowd has come to watch the miracle, but is equally entertained by their failure, right? And Jesus' response may seem harsh, but remember, Jesus never says or does anything that's careless. He never says or does anything that doesn't have a purpose. And often when Jesus says something like, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? He's setting the stage to give people the opportunity for great understanding, greater understanding. Lots of times... He says what he says to draw something out of the people he's addressing. Jesus takes the attention of the crowd off of his disheartened disciples and takes command of the situation. Let's continue to read in verse 20. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has he been like this? How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This poor boy, right? This poor boy 
has been tormented by this demon since he was very little and his, his father is desperate to free this little boy. And notice that when the boy is brought near to, de- to Jesus, the demon begins to react. It begins to shriek. It's because even all the foul spirits of Satan, they know Jesus. They know the authority that Jesus carries. They know that the victory was won by Jesus. And so the spirit begins to react. And, and uh, like this, this father just desperately wants to see his little boy free. And if you're a parent, I'm, I'm sure maybe you've been there, right? Like somewhere something is happening to your child, somewhere along the way something is happening to your child that is beyond your control and you feel helpless, right? That's the place this father is in. He brought his son seeking Jesus and found his disciples instead. And the father placed the same expectations he had of Jesus on the disciples, but they fail to release the demon's hold on the boy. Can you imagine how heartbroken that father must have been? So when he sees Jesus, the one he came to see in the first place, his passion is rekindled. And he explains to Jesus that this demon has tried to kill his little boy on many occasions. And when the father, the father said, what the father says next resonates with me. The father says something very telling next. In, in verse 22, the father says, have mercy on us and help us if you can, if you can. The father lets it slip that he has doubt. He's dealing with doubt, right? And Jesus responds with the classic line, what do you mean if I can? Don't you know who I am? No, he didn't say that. Anything is possible if a person believes. I mean, what do you mean if I can? And the father says something I have said myself more times than I care to admit. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe Jesus, but help me overcome my unbelief. What does that mean? I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. If you believe, how can you have unbelief at the same time? I think what the father is getting at here is the difference between knowing something in your head and believing it as true in your heart. The father had no doubt heard of Jesus and the, and the other healings he had done, right? And he knew it was possible in his head for Jesus to heal his son, but his heart was just weary. His hope was little. His faith was little. He was weary of watching his little boy writhe around on the floor, foaming at the mouth. He was weary of unanswered prayer. 
he was weary and so he had doubt. The father doubted the power of Jesus, but he never doubted Jesus's compassion. He doubted the power, if you can help us, but he never doubted Jesus's compassion. This doubt is what Jesus is trying to reveal. It isn't until the father's doubt is exposed and with new confidence, the father confesses his complete dependence on Jesus that Jesus goes to work. This is moving beyond head knowledge into actual faith, right? So let's pick it up at 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. So here we have Jesus exercising his authority over these demons expelling the demon from the little boy, but then the little boy drops and the crowd, that fickle, fickle crowd begins to doubt. He's dead. He's dead. Yeah, he, he may have been able to get rid of the demon, but he couldn't save the boy. The fickle crowd. The father doubted Jesus' power but he never doubted his compassion. And Jesus takes that boy by the hand and he stands up. Can you imagine what the father felt at that moment? Can you imagine? He never doubted Jesus's compassion, but he doubted his power. I think sometimes it can be the other way around too. Sometimes, we can know God has the power to do something uh, we're praying for, but God, but, but we doubt his compassion. I think sometimes we can, we, we can know that he has the power to do something, but we doubt his compassion to do it. We doubt his willingness to do it. We pray things like, if it be your will, if it be your will, if we are asking something of God, and you really need to hear this, if we are asking something of God that is in his character, and in the Bible he has already asked us to do it, then why would it not be in his will? He clearly sends out his disciples to cast out demons and to heal the sick and to proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus has asked them to do this. And so 
if he's asked us to do something and it's within the character of God, why would it not be his will? That's why it's so important to ask Jesus in our times of prayer to link our heart to God's heart. Because if we know God's heart, in most cases, we know his will. And we don't have to doubt Our hearts can be rejuvenated. What is going on in your life right now? What is going on in your life right now that you know God is capable of doing a miracle in, but maybe your heart is weary? Maybe your heart is like the Father, unanswered prayer after unanswered prayer. Maybe... Your heart is like the father in in the weariness that he felt. Maybe you're beginning to lose hope and and you you have doubt in your life. Maybe it's doubt of Jesus' power to do it. Maybe it's doubt of Jesus' willingness to do it. When you pray and ask God to move in something that is in his character, do you expect God to move? Or do you just send it up, send a prayer up without any expectation of it actually happening? Jesus is still at work Today, we sing that song, mountains are still being moved, right? Strongholds are still being loosed. And I'm going to tell you guys, I believe it today. I have complete faith that Jesus is able to work a miracle in your life for the thing that you have been praying for. And if that's you I'm, 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 I'm speaking to, I want you to begin right now or in your next quiet time, whenever, I want you to begin to confess your complete dependence on Jesus. I want you to begin to confess your complete dependence on Jesus because that's when things turned for the Father, Right? Not when he said, help us if you can, if you have time, if you have the ability, if you haven't forgotten about little old me. The father said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. So where are you at today? What's going on in your life right now that you're feeling weary about praying for? Maybe it's a person in your life. Maybe it's a person that is so far from God 
and they need God so desperately, but they don't need it. And you need, you know, it's going to take a miracle for this person to encounter the living God. Maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a situation like a, like a relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. God, help resurrect my marriage if you can. No, no. God, I believe you can resurrect my marriage. Help me with my unbelief. I believe you can resurrect my marriage. Jesus said, all things are possible for those who believe. And I believe it. And I wanna encourage you to step out in faith. Don't let your heart grow weary. Bind your heart to the Father's heart. And if you feel like you don't have a good understanding of the character of God, there's no better way to get to know God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, than reading your Bible. Get to know the character of God and you'll be able to know what God's will is a lot easier. I'm not gonna pretend like I don't struggle with this myself. There have been many, many times where I have been that father and had to humble myself and express my complete dependence on Jesus. I believe God but help me with my unbelief. It's so simple. And there's grace, morning by morning, every day, his mercies are new. Let's pray. Father God, I pray, Lord, that, that um, you use this word, this word that you've given me, uh, to encourage a weary heart this morning, to spur faith, Lord, to spur on faith, to bolster our belief, Lord. We believe that you are still capable of miraculous things. We believe it. Lord, help us with our unbelief. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.